Hello, and thank you for listening to this life-changing message from River of Life. If you enjoy this message, we invite you to check out River of Life live this Sunday at 10.30 a.m. in Crawfordville. Visit riveroflifefl.com for service times and directions. That's riveroflifefl.com. Now, let's join Senior Pastor Henry Jones as he teaches from the Word of God. To this announcement Sunday after Sunday that we have a Hallelujah Festival coming up. I was thinking that's what happens every Sunday morning in this church. This is a Hallelujah Festival. Wow. We have been in a study of uh, the book of 1 Thessalonians, and we will depart from that for just one message today, and I'll be right back there as we continue our study on the return of our Lord uh, next Sunday. But this morning, I want to talk to you about a very important subject. I want to talk to you about getting Satan off your back. Is there anybody here who needs to get Satan off your back? Yeah. And uh, I'll begin this morning by describing three groups of people. And more than likely, you will know and be able to identify people in all three groups. And you should be able to identify which group you are in. And then toward the end of the message, I'll give you three things that you can do, three very simple things that will get Satan off your back. All right, the first group I want to describe is this, the extremely lost. Now, even though you may know someone in this group, I'm fairly confident that no one here today could be labeled extremely lost. I doubt very seriously you would be here in this church service if you are in this group of the extremely lost. Let me describe this group. These people are those who reject God and Christianity and live their lives as if there is no God. They call themselves atheists, agnostics, humanists, and even intellectuals. They have somehow convinced themselves that there is no real rhyme or reason for life. They see themselves as being no more than a higher form of animal life. They think Christians are deceived buffoons, and they do not believe they will ever have to stand before a holy God and answer for their actions. These people know exactly what they do not believe. These people are atheists. Now before I leave that, I do have to share some of my favorite quotes with you. Here's the first one. The atheist can't find God for the same reason that a thief can't find a police officer. <laughs> and then I think you'll like this one. How to trap an atheist. Serve him a fine meal, then ask him if he believes there's a cook. <laughs> I don't think we have uh, this one on projection. But uh, there's another version of that. 
It, see if an atheist will believe this. Tell him there was, serve him a fine meal. Tell him there was an explosion in the kitchen and this is what landed on the plate. <laughs> see if that'll work. By the way, friends, I, I'm just curious. If anybody here can give me a testimony along these lines, I would very much like to hear it. Is there anybody here who has ever seen anything explode into order? Nothing explodes into order, does it? Explodes into disorder. Now, this is my all-time favorite quote on this particular subject. I love this. I think this will connect with somebody here today. Scientists have discovered that people will believe anything when you claim scientists have discovered it. It's the truth, isn't it? Aren't you getting tired of being jerked around a little bit? Science just keeps changing. I, don't you love the fact the Word of God doesn't change? And yet, science keeps changing. You, I mean, four or five years ago we were told, don't eat this, it's not good for you. Now we're told, okay, now it's good for you. And then something we were told, eat this, it's good for you. Now it's not. And it goes on and on. And, and, and here's the point I, I want to make this morning. If you believe mankind, if you believe mankind is the highest form of intelligence in the universe, then believe everything the science, scientists tell you. And by the way, there's some smart dudes out there. But you see, for those of us who are true believers, we don't believe scientists. We don't believe they're the highest form of intelligence. We believe in an omniscient, all-knowing, all-powerful, all-wise God. If you believe man is the smartest thing in the universe, then believe the scientist. If you believe God is, then believe God. You have got to make up your mind. Here's a good one. I think you'll like this. Atheism. The belief that there was nothing, and nothing happened to nothing, and then nothing magically exploded for no reason, creating everything, and then a bunch of everything magically rearranged itself for no reason whatsoever into self-replicating bits, which then turned into dinosaurs. <laughs> Makes complete sense, doesn't it? That's just perfect sense. So the first group I want you to think about is that group of being the extremely lost. And I would add to that the extremely deceived. Here's the, the second group I want you to think about this morning. The extremely saved. This is a good group right here. The second group of people are those who know they have had a born-again experience. They live their lives knowing that God is real. Jesus saved them. Life has meaning. There is a judgment day coming. Eternity is for real. And God has a plan for their lives. These people are not perfect and they do not see themselves as being perfect. These people have problems just like everybody else in the world, but they know who they are and they know who they belong to. They're not, they're not searching for the meaning of life. They have found it. They live from victory unto victory. 
They truly enjoy life and are not afraid of the future. Church is not something they attend, it is their family. Heaven is their home, the Bible is their book, Christians are their brothers and sisters, prayer is their source of strength, worship is a true expression of their love for God. These people are saved, they know it, and are not ashamed of it. There's no doubt or no room for doubt, they know exactly what they believe. And there are many, many extremely saved people here today. I I like hanging around extremely saved people. Even if they do get a little crazy every now and then. By the way, if if I have my choice of being around a crazy saved person or a crazy lost person, give me crazy saved any day in the week. I'll I'll take that. But I like people who are in this category. Years ago, I I heard uh, one man uh, describing another man who was very radical, just just crazy for Jesus. And he said of him, he said, I think he's going to heaven if he doesn't shoot past it on the way up. (laughs) That's the way I feel about most of you guys. I'm sure you're going to heaven if you don't shoot past it on the way up. That's the second group. First is the extremely lost, then the extremely saved. And the third group is a group that we will call the caught in between. This group believes in God. They believe the Bible is the Word of God. They have a desire to serve God. They believe Jesus died on the cross. They believe He's the Savior of the world. But no matter how hard they try, they just can't seem to win the victory. Life seems to be one huge, never-ending battle for them. Every time they turn around, something else is happening. Overwhelmed by the circumstances of life, they struggle just to survive. They want to be sold out. They want to be extremely saved. They want to be victorious Christians, but they just can't get there, and they don't know why they can't get there. These people are not at all sure what they believe. And I'm sure we have some people here today who fit that description. Those who refuse to give up but can't seem to break through and win the victory. If you're in that caught-in-between group, you're not extremely lost and you're not extremely saved, you're just kind of in that caught-in-between group, then I want to I address a few things that may help you out. First of all, I want to tell you why you're having such a hard time in life. And the second thing I want to tell you is how to join the ranks of the extremely saved. Now, first of all, let me share with you why you're having such a hard time. This is not hard to figure out. The reason you're having such a difficult time is because you're in the crosshairs of the enemy. Those of you who are hunters who have ever looked down the scope of a rifle and looked at those crosshairs, his crosshairs are on you. You are his target. You are in his focus group, if you please. Satan is on your back. If you're in that caught-in-between group, then Satan is on your back. And that's the reason you're having such a hard time. Now, you may think, well, Pastor, give us some Scripture to back that up. Well, here it is, 1 Peter 5, 8. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Now, 
You're going to have to use your, you're going to have to use your brain just for a moment this morning because we're going to think this thing through. This Bible tells us that the enemy is a roaring lion walking about seeking whom he may devour, right? Now, wouldn't that mean that there are those whom he cannot devour? Wouldn't it mean that? If, if, if he could devour anybody and everybody, he wouldn't be looking for a certain group, would he? He's looking for a certain group of people. He's looking, seeking, and searching for those whom he may devour. This scripture leads us to believe that he's looking for a target group. And that he can't do that with just everybody. Now, I, 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 want us to, I want us to think for a moment on this subject. We all fight spiritual battles. We all have to deal with the devil. We all come up against a very real enemy, and that will never change. But I'm telling you, the enemy is looking for those who are vulnerable. He, he's looking for those whom he may devour. Now, let's think about this. It just doesn't make sense, does it, that the enemy, that Satan, would be spending a great deal of time on the extremely lost. Does that make sense? I don't think he's calling a board meeting in hell and getting all of his chief demons together and saying, we've got to work harder, these atheists are getting out of hand. I wouldn't think that at all, would you? I would think the opposite would be true. I would think that Satan would be blessing those in that group. He would be blessing them with fame, with fortune, with power, with influence. He would be blessing that group. And if you think I'm way off track here, friends, you need to read your Bible. The Bible talks about the blessings of Satan uh, Satan told Jesus, if you'll bow down and worship me, I'll give you the kingdoms of this world. Don't you kid yourself for a moment. A person can be under the blessings of Satan. The psalmist said it of old, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord than to dwell in the tents of Satan. You know what he was saying? I'd rather be a servant in God's house to, rather than be in royalty in Satan's house. That's what he was saying. A person can live under the blessings of Satan. I would think Satan would be blessing this group, not fighting against them, not at all. And it is my opinion, now this is just my opinion, that one of the most dangerous places on the planet is under the blessings of Satan. When a man is under the blessings of Satan, when a woman is under the blessings of Satan, uh, man... That is so dangerous. And the likelihood of that person ever coming out of that position and turning to Christ is not very high. But we see it all the time, don't we? Don't we see it all the time? How, how, how many people in Hollywood who have absolutely wrecked their lives started out with talent for the glory of God? And Satan bought them off. So, so you see, I, I just don't see this. I, I just don't see Satan spending a great deal of time on those who are extremely lost. I don't see that at all. Now, I also don't see him spending most of his time on those who are extremely saved. Do you? 
They don't fit his target group. He says he's walking around seeking whom he may devour. If you're a sold out, dedicated Christian, he can't devour you. Listen, the enemy will walk by a hundred faithful, dedicated, sold out Christians to get to one weak Christian that he can have his way with. And that he can confuse and mess up their thinking and mess up their lives and mess up their home. Now, why not the dedicated Christians? I'm going to tell you, those who are sold out, those who are dedicated Christians, no matter what the enemy does, they will not turn around. No matter what the enemy does, they will not change their mind. No matter what the enemy does, they will not follow him. And not only that, those who are sold out, dedicated Christians, get this, they know how to do spiritual warfare. They know how to resist the enemy. They know how to do it with the Word of God, the blood of the Lamb and the Word of their testimony. They know how to take a stand and make Satan back off. So, if Satan is not spending the majority of his time on the extremely lost or the extremely saved, there's only one group. And that's that caught-in-between group. And if you're in that caught-in-between group, then friends, I just want to tell you that you are his target. And he will wage all manner of war against you. And he'll do whatever it takes to mess your life up and to keep you frustrated and to defeat you and to destroy your faith and to keep you from finding God's will for your life. In fact, just to keep you fighting for the rest of your life. The enemy will do that. So first of all, I want you to understand that if you want to get Satan off your back, you have to get out of that group. You can't be in the caught-in-between group. Now, I I want to tell you this uh, again, and that is that you're going to be fighting against the enemy for the rest of your life. There's never going to be a time when you as a Christian will be able to get Satan completely out of your life. He'll keep showing up over and over again. Here's a scripture to back that up. It says in Luke 4.13, Now when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him, talking about Jesus. Now when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. Even with Jesus, when he resisted the devil, the Bible tells us that Satan backed off until an opportune time. I want to tell you, the enemy will show up in your life at every opportune time. Every time he has an opportunity, he'll show up. The enemy will be resisting you and fighting against you throughout the rest of your life So I'm not talking about something that gets Satan out of your life. I'm talking about something that gets him off your back. I'm talking about coming to a place in your life where the enemy is not on your back defeating you day after day. I'm asking you, isn't it time that you turn the tables on the enemy? Isn't it time rather than for him defeating you every day of your life, isn't it time you turn that around and you start defeating him and driving him back rather than him winning victories in your life, you win the victory through Christ Jesus. Isn't it time? Aren't you ready to do that? Three things. I hope you'll write these down, but it's so easy to remember. You won't have any trouble remembering these three things will get Satan off your back. First of all, make sure you're saved. 
Make sure you're saved. The Bible says make your calling and election sure. Make sure you are saved. I want to read to you from an article entitled Lost in Church. That's the title of the article, Lost in Church. As startling as this idea may appear, recent research indicates it is a hard reality for many churches in the United States. Researcher George Barner has discovered the disturbing fact that half of all adults who attend Protestant churches on a typical Sunday morning are not Christian. He also points out that people who call themselves Christians but are not born again are a group that constitutes a majority of churchgoers. Now, now friends, this is one of the most respected Christian research firms in America. And they're telling us that the majority of the people in churches across America this morning are not even born again. Is that possible? Could that be? I'm honest with you when I tell you that I don't believe that's the case with River of Life, but it could be the case with you. It could be. Campus Crusaders for Christ gave a similar report. Our survey suggests that over 50% of the 100 million people in church here in the United States every Sunday are not sure of their salvation. I ask you this morning, are you absolutely, positively, beyond any shadow of a doubt, sure that if the trumpet of God were to sound right now, if time were to end right now, if this were the moment you'd stand before a holy God, are you absolutely, positively sure that you are right with God and you'd spend eternity in heaven? Do you know that you know that you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Are you sure that you are saved? Because friends, I can tell you, until you come to that point in your Christian life, you are in His target group. The enemy will beat up on you. The enemy will ride you. The enemy will keep you confused. If you want to, if you want to get the enemy off your back, if you want to get out of that in, it caught in between group, First thing to do is make sure you're saved. The prophet Elijah said it a long time ago. This is what he said. He said, how long halt you between two opinions? This is in 1 Kings, the 18th chapter. How long halt you between two opinions? If the Lord be God, then serve Him. But if Baal be your God, then serve Baal. The prophet Elijah of old said, make up your mind. Are you going to serve God? Are you going to serve the, the gods of this world? Make up your mind. Do one or the other. Uh, Jesus said it in the New Testament. You can't serve God and mammon. You can't serve God in the world. you got to make up your mind. The great Charles Haddon Spurgeon, it said of him that one time he stood in his pulpit and he told of a congregation of about 5,000 people. He said, do one of two things today. Get up and walk out of this church and serve the devil with all of your heart. Or serve God with everything that's in you, but don't get caught in between. Oh, friends, we don't need to get caught in between. I can tell you, as long as you're caught in between, the enemy will beat you up. The enemy will take advantage of you. Now, before I leave this, 
You might want to ask the question, Pastor, how can I make sure? And I'm not going to go into that. But I'm going to tell you, just make sure. You say, Pastor, I don't know how to make sure. Pick up your Bible and make sure. Make up your mind that you won't quit until you know that you know. Do whatever it takes. I was in a church one time and there was a man who got saved and then the next Sunday he got saved again and then the next Sunday he got saved again and then the next Sunday he got saved again. He kept coming to the altar and I thought, man, this guy just doesn't understand theology. He doesn't understand once you get saved, you're saved and you don't ever have to get saved again. And But you know what? We just thought he was getting saved. We just thought he was getting right with God. We, we, did, we just thought, okay, make a trip to the altar, shake the pastor's hand, say the sinner's prayer, it's good, you're going to heaven. He wanted to know he was saved. And he didn't quit until he knew Jesus as his Lord and Savior. And he's one of the greatest servants of God in this county right now. He made sure. If you have to come to this altar 40 times, do it. If you have to, to, to pray the sinner's prayer, if you have to get baptized until your skin's wrinkled, Quit worrying about what anybody thinks or says about you. Nothing in life is more important than you knowing that you are a child of the living God and you have been born again and He has transformed your heart and life. Make sure you're saved. Here's the next one. Make sure you're sold out. Don't just get saved. Make sure you're sold out. Go all the way with your God. Make up your mind that you'll go all the way with your faith. The, the psalmist did that of old. Uh, King David did that. Paul did it in the New Testament. Hundreds in this church have, have done that. Make sure you're sold out. Here's one of my favorite verses out of the book of Psalms. Psalm 57, 7. My heart is fixed, O God. My heart is fixed. I will sing and give praise. You know what the psalmist was saying? I've made up my mind. I'm going all the way with my God. He says it again. Psalm 108, verse 1. O God, my heart is fixed. I will sing and give praise even with my glory. And then the Apostle Paul made a similar statement in the New Testament, Romans 14, 8. For if we live, we live unto the Lord. If we die, we die unto the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or we die, we are the Lord's. You know what that's all about? That's all about being completely sold out. Here, I'm, I'm here to serve the Lord. If I live, I live unto the Lord. If I die, I die unto the Lord. If I live or die, I'm the Lord's. I'm His. It's, it's done. We don't have to talk about this anymore. I belong to Him. That's pretty simple, isn't it? I'm telling you, if you want Satan off your back, if you want to get out of that caught-in-between group, there needs to be a time in your life where you drive down a stake, where, where you come to a place where you say, it is done, I belong to Him, I am His. As for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. And rather than just sitting back and being timid, while the enemy beats up on you. And some of you have done just that. You've just been real timid and shy and the enemy's beating the daylights out of you on a regular basis. It's time for you to say, No! No more! I'm a child of God. I know I'm saved. I'm going all the way from my God. And it's time for you to declare war against the enemy. It's time for you to declare war. Let me tell you something. When it comes to your children, you better be declaring war against the enemy. 
When it comes to your marriage, when it comes to your marriage, you need to be declaring war against the enemy. When it comes to your finances, you better be declaring war against the enemy. You know how you declare war against the enemy? You just do what God's Word says do. You believe God. You step out on faith and you do what God's Word says do. Now there's one last thing I want to say about this making sure you're sold out. And that is, there's all kinds of Scripture that just tells us the blessings that will be ours if we'll just simply do this. One that most people don't understand is found in Matthew 16, 18, where Jesus said, I say unto thee, thou art Peter, and upon this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Have you heard that expression? The gates of hell will not prevail against it. What in the world does that mean? Have you ever thought, what does that mean? I, I, I used to have some imaginary... <laughs> I'm serious, this is how bad off my theology was. I used to have this thing, well, there's this gate and the enemy doesn't want me going into this territory and if I, if I run up against that gate hard enough, it'll fall and I'll be able to go into the devil's territory. Probably not real bad theology, I just don't think that verse supports it. So what does it mean? If you read your Bible in, and you understand it in the context, in the ancient cities... Of old, the cities had walls around them. And they had gates. And they had a main gate, a main entrance. And there was something special about the main gate. The elders of the city sat in the gates. And that's where they held court. If there was some kind of uh, a problem, they resolved that problem there. That's where the elders of the city decided how to protect the city and how to lead the city. That's where they made their plans. That's how, how they would lead the entire city. When Jesus says, the gates of hell will not prevail against you, do you understand? He's saying that all the plans, all the schemes, all the designs that the enemy can come up with will not prevail against you. If you're walking with the Lord, if you're in the church of Jesus Christ, if you're so, the gates of hell will not prevail against you. In other words, all the counsel, all the philosophy, all the attack of the enemy, everything he purposes to use against you will not prevail against you when you're sold out to the Lord. And trust me, he's doing that. And then one last thing. What's the first one? Make sure you're saved. What's the second one? Make sure you're sold out. Here's the third one. Make sure you're serving. Make sure you're serving God. Now friends, I, I don't want to put anybody on the spot, but we come to church for all kinds of different reasons. Sometimes people come to church just because they feel better if they come to church. By the way, I really do hope you feel better after you come to River of Life. I feel better after I come to River of Life. We have a great time here. It is a hallelujah festival. It is a great time. But that can't be the number one reason. You, you see, people come to church, people call themselves Christians for all kinds of reasons, but the one overarching reason for every last one of us has to be a desire to serve a holy God. To serve the Lord our God. We have, to, we have to truly want to serve Him. 
Make sure you're saved. Make sure you're sold out. And make sure you're serving God. Serve Him. Now, I, I, I'm always a little bit hesitant about giving you a list of things. But, uh, but because I know I'll leave some things out. But this will at least give you some ideas. Uh, but before I give you the list, I want to give you a definition of what it means to serve God. If somebody walked up to you and said, what does it mean to serve God? Would you know? Could you answer them? Could you, in one sentence, could you do it? I'm about to give you a definition for serving God in one sentence. It means to do what He says in a way that glorifies Him. <clears throat> That's serving God. Do what He says in a way that glorifies Him. And so serving God is, is, is not about finding some position of leadership in the church, even though that can be a part of it. But serving God is just doing what He says in a way that glorifies Him. And so if you know you're a Christian, if you, if you make sure you're saved, if you make sure you're sold out to Him, then get busy serving God. Because get busy doing what He says do. Listen, I'll give you a list of things right here in just a few moments and I hope you'll add more to it than I have on the list, but it'll keep you busy for a while and it is truly serving God. Are you ready? If you want to serve God, do a house cleaning. Go clean your house, clean your home. I'm not talking about the dirty dishes in the sink. I'm talking about the spiritual stuff that shouldn't be in your home. I'm talking about the enemy working his way into your home and into your family and the influence of the enemy. Do a house cleaning. Go home and get everything out of your house that displeases God. Everything out of your house that's a bad influence on your children. You say, well, we don't want to be radical and we don't want to tell our children they can't watch what other children are watching on television. Well, that's fine, but you're going to stay in that in-between group for the rest of your life and the enemy will keep beating you up. Go home, clean your house out. Clean your home up. Clean your language up. Clean everything up in your house that shouldn't be there. Here's something else. If you want to serve God, then ask people to forgive you. See, we all make mistakes, don't we? we? We all blow it from time to time. Every last adult in this house, and more than likely children too, every last adult in this house has hurt somebody. You've disappointed somebody. You've let them down. Learn to ask for forgiveness. Learn to tell people, I'm sorry. You're talking about a cleansing, a catharsis. You're talking about something that will begin to change your life. Just Now, don't go home and try to make a list of everybody you think you've ever hurt. But when the Holy Spirit... <laughs> be too long, wouldn't it? Uh, but when the Holy Spirit brings some person to your mind, then call them, send them a text, send them an email, and just say, you know, I was just thinking, and I'm sorry, I just want you to know uh, that I apologize. Don't make any excuses for what you did wrong, just to apologize. And I'll tell you, you'll begin to feel lighter. Man, something good begins to go on in your heart and in your life when you just just ask people to forgive you. And not only that, turn that around and start forgiving people who have hurt you. If you want to, make a list of everybody that's ever disappointed you. Make a list of everybody that's ever hurt you. And then forgive them in Jesus' name the way Christ has forgiven you. Burn it and throw it away and don't ever think about it again. You say, well, what if they don't ask me for forgiveness? 
This has nothing to do with whether they ever ask you. This has to do with you. This has to do with what's in your heart. I, I heard somebody say a long time ago that, uh, that unforgiveness in your heart is like you drinking poison and hoping somebody else will die. You're the one who will die. It's poison to your soul. So ask people for forgiveness. We're just talking about... You say, Pastor, that's serving God? Absolutely. You are really serving God when you start doing what He says do in a manner that glorifies Him. That's serving God. i got a few more minutes, so let me just keep going. What if you're living with somebody as husband and wife when you're not married? You want to serve God? By the way, I honestly believe there are people who have who who make sure they're saved, they they really rededicate their lives, commit themselves to the Lord, and yet they're living with somebody that they're not married to. You know what you do? You get married or you move out. Amen. That's what you do. You get married or you move out. You you say, I love God and I love you but I can't reconcile what's going on and I know what's most important in my life and you either get married or move out. And I tell you, great things happen when you start serving the Lord this way. Uh, we had a couple in this church a few years back. They came into the church. They were living together. They both got saved. I started talking to them. I said, okay, now you need to get married. You need to make this thing right. And they got married. And right now today, they're in another church. They, they moved away to another city, they're in another church, and God is beginning to use them mightily in leadership in that church. Why? Just because they decided, okay, I'm going to serve God by doing what God says, and I'm going to do it in a manner that brings honor and glory to His name. So, what if there's a stronghold in your life? And more than likely there is. Sometimes you can polish those strongholds up and make them look pretty good, make them look like character traits. But the fact is, the enemy will build strongholds in your life. Identify those strongholds. Be honest with yourself. Be honest with God. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you. Or how about this? How about addictions? How about addictions? If you want to serve God, then take some action. Declare war against the addiction that you have in your life. Do something about it. We're talking about getting you out of the target group that Satan is pounding on day after day. It's amazing how the Holy Spirit will help you when you start doing what God says do in a way that glorifies His name. Just just do it. Just millions of Christians. Listen to me. Somebody here needs to hear this. Millions of Christians have overcome addictions. But every Christian who's ever done that had to take action. They had to do something in Jesus' name. They went to battle. They did something. And now they're shouting the victory because of that. You see, to serve God means sometimes you get radical. When's the last time you got radical? When's the last time you said, thus far and no more? I'm not going down this road. I know I'm saved. I'm ready to be sold out. I'm ready to serve God. And I'm going to serve God by doing what God says do. Isn't it time? You, you, if you're going to serve God, you become very public about your relationship with the Lord. Not obnoxious, but just public. And there is a difference. Let me tell you, if you're going to serve God, you love His church. You love church. Listen, if you are an enemy of my wife, 
you are my enemy. You hear me? Is there any man in this house that would say otherwise? If you're an enemy of my wife, you are my enemy. The church is the bride of Christ. You can't be a friend of God and an enemy of the church. You cannot. You serve the Lord in the church. And, and, and the list just goes on. Uh, listen, if you're going to serve God, get in your Bible. Get deep in your Bible. Get in a Bible study class. Start getting in the Word. Start sharing your faith. Start tithing. That's a good idea, isn't it? Amen? Start tithing. Start helping people who are less fortunate than you. Start having a daily quiet time with the Lord. Get involved in a life group, a ministry group, a small group. Become unashamed of your faith. Um, declare that you are going all the way with your God. I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm trying to shake you out of that caught-in-between group. Make up your mind you're going to let the Holy Spirit lead you every day of your life. Make up your mind that you'll serve God by doing whatever He says do, and you'll do it in a manner that brings glory to His name. I'm asking you this morning, do you want to get Satan off your back? Now, I didn't say out of your life, did I? I didn't say to never return again. I didn't say you'd never do battle with him again. I didn't say he wouldn't resist you or show up at every opportune time. But if you want to get him off of your back, make sure you're saved. Make sure you're sold out. And make sure you're serving God. And you serve God by doing what He says do. Would you pray with me, please? Thank you again for listening to this life-changing message from River of Life. If this message has touched you today, or you need someone to pray with you, then please let us know. You can call us at 850-926-1200 or send an email to info at riveroflifefl.com. We also encourage you to visit River of Life this Sunday at 1030 a.m. in Crawfordville. For more information, visit us at riveroflifefl.com.